Chapter 18 of The Wife of the Secretary of State. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wife of the Secretary of State by Ella Middleton Tybout. Chapter 18 A noticeable languor pervaded the Department of State. Visitors were few and unimportant. Clerks yawned and leisurely dispatched the routine work. Messengers nodded in their chairs with even more than their usual abandon. And, indeed, over the entire south wing of the great stone building hovered a mantle of inertia. The secretary was at cabinet meeting. A telephone message had come from the White House that he wished to speak with his private secretary, and the chief clerk had replied that Mr. Lee had not reached the department. The winter sun shone brightly into the secretary's office and into the little room adjoining, with the swivel chair pushed back as though hastily vacated, and a pencil lying upon the blotter as if idle for a moment to be sure, but ready to be up and doing at any instant. Again the telephone rang, and again the chief clerk repeated his statement that Mr. Lee had not yet arrived. So the morning dragged slowly on, until the return of the secretary created some little diversion, for the messengers rose as he passed, and in so doing almost awoke. Mr. Redmond was accompanied by Senator Byrd and Mr. Rivers. They went at once to his private office, and almost immediately the imperative sound of a bell disturbed the serenity of the surrounding atmosphere. "'Go at once,' said the secretary to the messenger who responded, to Mr. Lee's rooms. Say that I wish to see him on important business. If he is indisposed, I will not detain him long, but the matter is urgent. Make haste. The man withdrew, and Mr. Redmond turned to his companions. He stood before his desk. The upper right-hand drawer was open, and its contents spread upon the blotter. It is gone, he said blankly. Gone! The little key in the open drawer twinkled and glittered in the sunlight as brightly as it had glistened once before when the drawer was shut and locked. Ask me, it said, ask me. But nobody noticed it at all, and after a while even the sun went under a cloud and forgot all about it. I put it in here, said Mr. Redmond slowly, with my own hands. You saw me, bird. Senator Byrd nodded. I don't think I entirely understand, remarked Mr. Rivers, who had met the other two at the entrance to the elevator. What is lost? The President, said the Secretary quietly, gave me a synopsis of his policy in regard to the Roostchook trouble just before he went south. I did not agree with him and delayed action until he returned. Meanwhile, I temporized hoping the lost papers might be found. I brought the paper the President gave me over here, he resumed after a moment's silence, and talked the matter over with Senator Byrd. No one else knew of the existence of such a document, and I wished to keep it secret. Today I again discussed the question with the President, and he agreed reluctantly to modify his policy in some essential features. He wishes the paper returned to him for revision. It is not here. Mr. Rivers and Senator Byrd exchanged a quick glance. 
and the latter approached the secretary and laid his hand on his shoulder, remarking quietly that doubtless it was only mislaid and would in time appear. Mr. Redmond turned suddenly and faced his companions. He was evidently deeply excited and breathed heavily as he shook off the consoling hand impatiently. "'My God, man!' he said almost angrily. "'Don't you understand that there is a spy in the department?' Mr. Rivers thrust his hands in his pockets and walked to the window looking out over the Potomac with thoughtful eyes and lips puckered slightly, as though about to whistle. The member of Congress was thinking. Senator Byrd absently collected the scattered papers and replaced them in the drawer. His face was very grave, and he glanced from time to time at the little inner room with apparent anxiety. Mr. Rivers, turning slightly, followed the direction of his glance, and walked at once to the door. "'Who occupies this room?' he inquired suddenly. "'My private secretary, Mr. Lee,' replied Mr. Redmond mechanically. Again the senator and member of Congress exchanged a glance as the secretary sank into his chair and unconsciously tapped the arm with his fingers. "'Bird,' he said thoughtfully, "'I wonder—' He checked himself abruptly and touched his bell. "'I wish to see Harris,' he said when it was answered. And the man replied that Harris had been sent for Mr. Lee and had not yet returned. "'I have every confidence in Mr. Lee,' said the secretary, addressing Mr. Rivers almost belligerently. "'Every confidence.' "'Yes,' replied the member of Congress smoothly. "'Of course.' He returned to the window and resumed his contemplation of the landscape, while his companions watched the door with no effort to conceal their impatience, and the silence remained unbroken save for the voices and footsteps of visitors passing through the corridor without. Upon the wall hung the likeness of a former secretary, now no longer burdened by affairs of state. He looked serenely down upon his successor, and almost seemed to shrug his shoulders disdainfully, as though repudiating any connection with departmental responsibilities. There was a slight stir in the corridor, and Harris returned, breathless from rapid walking. Well, said the secretary sharply, well? Mr. Lee was not at home, sir, replied the man. Not at home? No, sir, he went out at dinner time last night and did not return. They do not know where he is. Harris waited uncertainly, hat in hand. Is there anything more, sir? He inquired deferentially. Nothing more, Harris. You can go. The secretary's face had grown old and gray, and the hand which turned the shining key in the desk drawer shook slightly. I lock the stable door, you see, he said grimly, as the other men approached him. After the horse is stolen... Mr. Rivers looked significantly at the little inner room with its unmistakable traces of recent occupancy. The inference, he said, is obvious. I have every confidence in Mr. Lee, said the secretary, turning involuntarily to Senator Byrd. But the senator shook his head gravely. I am afraid, he said slowly, that your confidence is misplaced. Mr. Lee knew of the existence of that paper. He also knew where it was. 
when we discussed the matter he was in that little room you remember he came through the door and reminded you of its being diplomatic day don't you yes said mr redmond unwillingly yes i remember in short remarked mr rivers briskly the paper is gone and lee is missing it only goes to prove the theory i have had all along you are wrong replied mr redmond emphatically wrong no man what is it harris i do not wish to be disturbed i am sorry sir he replied but the private secretary of the president is waiting and says his business is important very well i will see him senator byrd and mr rivers started to retire but the secretary detained them with an imperative motion of his hand well mr lane he said turning with his customary quiet self-possession to greet the young man who now entered what can i do for you the president wishes his synopsis on the roostchook matter mr secretary replied mr lane declining the proffered chair he intends to take the subject up at once mr redmond touched his bell my coat and hat harris he said quietly i will return with you to the white house mr lane i wish to see the president senator byrd accepted a cigar tendered him by the member of congress as the door closed on the secretary and the smaller more erect figure of the younger man it is a bad business he remarked as he struck a match yes replied his companion indifferently it looks as though there might be the devil to pay before we get through with it i wonder said the senator pausing at the door of the little room i wonder where he is and i returned the member of congress wonder who bought him the swivel chair looked as if it knew all about it but wouldn't tell for the world and the pencil lay upon the blotter innocent enough to all appearance yet the lead was worn blunt and had a weary air as though it could a tale impart if it chose to do so the senator looked at his watch past lunch time he exclaimed and i promised to be at home to-day come with me rivers and help me make my peace with isabel but the member of congress had another engagement so the two men separated while the sun again looked in on the empty office where the picture of the bygone and forgotten secretary gazed loftily at the brown leather chair of his successor from his vantage ground of safety within the gilt frame it almost seemed as though his lips moved and he whispered i had my troubles too but they are not now important even as i myself am no longer of any consequence dust to dust ashes to ashes be they papers or flesh and blood they crumble equally well in the war department at the other end of the long corridor christine gray adjusted her veil and asked for half a day's leave of absence she ran down the large stone steps at the front of the building rather hurriedly for she had a luncheon engagement and was already a little late christine pursued her way down f street her color a little higher than usual and her eyes shining with excitement at the door of the lowes cam she paused and after hesitating a minute or two ran lightly up the stairs a round table laid for two was waiting by the window and a man rose with an exclamation of pleasure and advanced to meet her you said two o'clock 
she remarked as she seated herself and removed her gloves, but I fear I'm a little late. I hope I have not kept you waiting, Mr. Rivers. End of chapter 18